The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. So I would really like to talk to you about Recipe May. And I actually first met you um, during the process that you were applying for the Black Valley Accelerator Program. Um, So could you give us a little introduction into what you've been building so far? Yeah, of course. So um, I'm currently building a platform called Recipe May. And we're basically tackling inaccessible recipes and giving disabled Jesus the confidence and independence um, to cook. And this idea actually came about by accident, but on purpose. <laughs> There's a theme here. Yeah, accidentally on purpose. Um, and this is, the fun, this is the funny thing. I think we'll touch on it later on with like being neurodivergent. Like it literally is an accident for us half the time mm. um, because of just how society functions. But um, essentially uh, my last role, I wasn't happy in that role. And I had hit like a breaking point where nothing was clicking for me. My ADHD symptoms were getting really intense. And I was just looking for something to just keep me engaged, even outside of work hours. So um, someone sent me a link to a hackathon that was being um, sponsored by DeafBlind UK, which is a charity catered to DeafBlind community. And I was like, you know what? I've just had like a mental breakdown this whole week. I just need something to look forward to. Maybe this is interesting. I can learn something from this. And I signed up and, you know, we were in our teams and there were a bunch of problem statements. And I remember reading some of the problem statements and I just saw the one that said food and I was like, yeah, we're going this one. (laughs) Um, Which is quite ironic because at the time, my eating patterns and my relationship with food was heavily impacted by my mental health and my ADHD. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So when I saw that, I was like, oh, okay, maybe this could be something that I could solve. Um, and it'll be fun because like, oh, there's people that go through something similar, even though we don't have the same disability. So we did in the weekend, we were like, OK, this is a problem statement we're tackling. And the problem statement was literally like a lot of our users in our community um, don't feel confident enough to cook on their own because instructions aren't clear. They tend to feel isolated because they're not uh, they don't um, they're not encouraged to be involved with cooking for themselves as a life skill. So that's how recipe was actually born. Um, it was tackling that problem statement where. Um, unclear instructions so inaccessible instructions um, is one aspect that we're tackling and then there's also the technical side of you know um, blogs online just cluttered information pop-up ads um, poor contrast poor um, text size things like that video tutorials with no captions so that was basically all we're tackling and we thought of okay we could just do video tutorials and just go from there But what if we actually reframe the way we approach writing recipes or following recipes online? Um, And an example I would give is, let's say you've got an instruction that says saute the onions until they go brown. You and I, and you know, we can all understand that for the most part. But there's people that won't be able to know when the onions have gone brown because Mm. they can't gauge that. So you now need to tweak the instruction and be like, okay, maybe instead of talking about how it would look visually, we could think about, you know, potentially setting a timer or potentially thinking about how they engage with their current cooking equipment if they do and adjusting it for that. 
And we wanted to approach it from the aspect of recipes because we like to follow TikTok videos with food, you know, um, recipe instructions on food blogs, um, YouTube videos. So it's like if we can start from there and, you know, see how we can make that process more accessible, that will tackle the problem of like not having the independence to cook because it's not there catered for you. And then there's then it's much easier to focus on, you know, the things like websites not being accessible, like food checkouts not being accessible. Um, so that's how literally Recipe Mate was born. And we were literally tackling that problem statement over that weekend in that hackathon. And like the live stream is out there on YouTube. Oh, wow. um, and I remember like, I even remember that pitch night because um, <laughs> my mental health actually hit a low. Like I actually had a panic attack that same day. Um, I was in a very, very toxic work situation. And that night I was actually about to like drop out and just not do the pitch. But I like I, I cared about the idea so much. And I was like, you know what? Let, let the judges hear it at least. Let me just have one good thing happening that day. Mm. And I remember pitch, we were pitching it and presenting. And the judges' feedback was actually longer than our presentation. <laughs> wow. They were going on and on and on. They were so excited by it. They're like, oh my gosh, I could give, I could share this with my friend's son and that could teach him how to make a cup of tea on his oh. own for his mom. Like, I could see this being used in the supermarket. I'm like, I'm listening to all this feedback and obviously it's all virtual. So I'm just there like on mute, just crying my eyes out because oh. I'm like, this is actually a problem that I'm solving for myself. And like, people are actually gonna like this mm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um so yeah like it was literally that moment the penny dropped and I was like oh my gosh this could be something that actually I can actually do for myself and for other disabled people like me um and yeah like we didn't win because they're looking for something more um different but they were literally like please carry on building this because the excitement on their face like I'll send the link but yeah, send the, the excitement on their face it. I was just like so taken back I was like oh my gosh they actually love this like me and my team members were all so hyped and like two of them are still part of the current team um, oh, of recipe me yeah like it just made me realize that like, oh my gosh I could actually combine all the things I'm passionate about and actually solve a problem that I was experiencing myself even though the whole hackathon was around deaf and blind users um yeah, I just really enjoyed it. Like people talk about like, oh, I could, sh- I could share this with my partner and we can do date night together. I could like, you know, it can help me through food shopping. And it was just giving us so much ideas. And like that dopamine hit. <laughs> 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 my ADHD brain was like, yes, I yeah. needed this. I needed this positive feedback. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, like I just remember that night. Like it was just so, I just sat there after the whole thing ended. And I was like, I think I might have accidentally found something to solve. <laughs> yeah yeah definitely so but but there's a there's having an idea there's hearing good reception and then there's like taking the dive and the plunge into I'm going to pursue this full time and actually yeah. give yeah. it my best shot how did you do that bit um I literally thought that was the only good thing that was happening for me at that time mm. um even to this day so it was literally like in that moment for me I had no like backup plan I had no like you know bank of mum and dad like hey I'm just exploring this give me some time it was literally like I'm in such a toxic work environment that my health is impacted and this is the one thing that's making me feel good right now Mm. I couldn't see anything else it Mm. was just like I need to find a way to first get out of this toxic environment um I don't know what that's gonna look like for me financially physically mentally but all I was thinking at that time was like I need to fix my health. I need to rest and recuperate. And I want to build this thing out. Because in that moment, it made me realize like food is fun. 
And and that fun has been robbed away from me mm. because of like my whole situation. And this has just given me the spark to actually do something with it. And I've always loved food. I didn't realise that people actually care about my food opinions. Mm. <laughs> you don't <be> verified. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's all connected. Yeah. So in that moment, it was just intense. And it was just like, I don't have any other choice in terms of what's making me feel good but to pursue this. Um, I never set out to be a founder. I never set out to be like a business owner or anything. Um, I have teased the idea of entrepreneurship, but it was in something completely different. It was something that I wanted to do just for fun mm. rather than it has to be my living. Um, and yeah, this all happened like end of December last year. So wow. it wasn't even that long ago. Um, and I, I don't know, that night it was just like, I finished that pitch night. I just cried. I know it sounds really dramatic. I cried myself and just slept. And I woke up the next day. I was like, yep, this is what I want to do. And obviously I had, to, it was a long process because my whole work situation and I had to sort out my health. I was going back and forth with my doctors and everything. And that's where the whole traveling thing came about. It was like, I need to first rest and reset. Like I'm not turning 24 um, <laughs> sad like this. Like mm. I have to just, I just needed a change of environment. So yeah, I went traveling um, and it's interesting because even with traveling, I found myself talking about this app. Mm. Um, like what I like to do when I travel is I like to ask people different things that they're making. Um, which is why I love Thailand because they would even bring me to the back of the kitchen and show me the process. Um, I've always loved exploring flavors, something that I just do for fun. So this whole thing just came back. I feel like a lot of what I'm going through is just going come back to full circle mode, and it's just me like finally acknowledging and tapping into like all my childhood interests. Yeah. Um, which seems to be a very common theme with people who have ADHD. Yeah. Um, we're kind of like just tapping into like inner child wounds and stuff. And I feel like that's what's been happening to me within the tech space. And that's basically what happened with Recipe Mate. I just feel like I'm combining accessibility, tech in general, and my passion for food. And I'm just seeing it as like this one big thing that I'm solving for myself and having fun with it. That's amazing. <laughs> that is amazing. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> So did you always have a feeling that you'd eventually be an entrepreneur and do you feel like you've demonstrated entrepreneurial traits from when you were yeah. younger and like throughout your yeah. like career journey? <laughs> it's so funny because yeah, I was that I was actually that kid in secondary school that sold cookies, donuts, crisps, Lucas Aid on sports day. I was really that kid. Uh, <laughs> and it was again, it was just for me like solving this whole thing where it's like, oh, you know what? I'm the eldest. Um, I don't want my mom panicking about giving me um, that two pound pocket money for lunch. Um, and then one day I was like, you know, I don't want school dinners and I don't I don't want these jam donuts from Tesco. So I just accidentally sold it to my friends. I'm like, listen, 30p each. <laughs> and then I saw my, the money that I'm making. I'm like, you know, I can get chicken and chips with a drink after oh, school with this. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the day where chicken yeah. and chips was actually affordable. <laughs> it was like one, I used to get one like pound, three one wings pound, and chips. Four wings and chips. Yeah. Like... I was always yeah, the and I remember school. I was so happy. I was like, "Wow, I really flipped that one, that that two pound coin my yeah. mom gave me, and I can get a, I can get two for two of a drink." Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then since then, I was like, "You know what? Let me try." It. And I didn't tell my mom for ages until one day she saw so many coins in my bag. She's like, "Are you okay? Like, what's going on here?" And then I told her what I was doing. So yeah, I, technically there was that. Even at school, there's always like these um, business competitions and stuff like that, and I always was the team lead for stuff like that. Um, but. I, you don't think about that in the moment yeah. where you're constantly just trying to work and pay bills and stuff. It's only in hindsight they're like, wait, the signs were always there. Um, I was very much an advocate type person, school council member. Um, I was the student in class where people would report 
to me so I can explain to the teachers or the head of year. Um, I was always paired up with the quiet kids because I was so chatty. Um, and like even all the kids that, I really hate this term now that I'm aware of it, but special needs kids. Mm. Um, I was always paired up with them because for some reason they clicked with the way I explained things. Mm. Um, so it was just, it, it really is all like a childhood thing and entrepreneurship. It's not even that I was trying to pursue entrepreneurship. I kind of always knew that just based on how I am as a person and how people just talk about me or they're drawn to me, it just felt like, I don't know if I'm suited to just be a clog in a machine. Not that there's anything wrong with it because for some people it works great, but I just feel like for me, my brain is just so everywhere that I just knew, I don't know what this is going to look like, but it can't just be day in and day out just doing something and it's mm. not even the whole like working for other people i have no problem working for other people you know i freelance i contract it's not that deep um i think for me it was just like there's just a lane that i know i'm supposed to carve out for myself mm. i don't know what that looks like but i just want it to be fun like i learning about my adhd has made me realize that i'm driven by fun <laughs> yeah. it sounds so cheesy and hippie but i'm driven by fun when i feel like you know like the thought of knowing that I've helped someone or made their life easier or just opened up a door for them that they were struggling with. That is fun for me. Like I enjoyed that so much. And if I can do that with food, um, <laughs> that's even better <laughs> because food intrinsically, it it brings people together. Um, you know, it can get you through some tough times. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's like, I actually love the fact that I've accidentally gone full circle in this type of space. Like it's just, it's a crazy feeling because I'm like in the most uncertain time of my life, but I'm also a step closer to being sure of what I want to do. Yeah. So everything's up in the air, but I'm okay with it, which is scary. <laughs> no, that's great. And I think it's really, really admirable that you're using your neurodivergence, which is something that should put you or typically puts people at a disadvantage. And oh. you're actually using that as a hack to be able to empower yourself and empower others and, and drive yeah. your own success. Yeah, it, that's a tough one. Um, it's literally my way of survival at this point. Mm. Like, and I think a lot of neurodivergent people will say the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like, it takes a lot of us, a lot from us emotionally and physically um, to just push through and just about survive. Uh, and then society will see it as like a quirk or a little funny little trait. And there's even a privilege in being able to get to that point, to be honest. I, I think that's been the biggest challenge. Like, there's a lot of things I love about being neurodivergent, but... ADHD is such a tough condition to manage. Like, I have to live with this for the rest of my life. And it's like, I'm currently going through this process where I feel like I'm mourning a version of myself because it's like, I had those traits, but I wasn't aware of it until so recently. Yeah. So it's like, you go through this process where you're like sitting there thinking, was this me, me? Or was this me when I was masking or just trying to survive? Yeah. That, that, yeah. there's that, I, I'm currently experiencing that disconnect. Um, Even when I was traveling, I was like, I don't remember this version of me where I was this carefree or this like properly, properly happy and just going for it. Like, I don't, I feel like there's a shift. Um, and so you go through this process where you're happy and relieved that finally you know what was going on all along. You know that this is what your brain is literally wired for. But then you also go through this process where you're just angry and hurt because it's like, wow, like so many adults failed me, you know? Like, yeah, damn. Yeah. Um, and then you're constantly questioning like, wait, so when I was like this, was this authentic me or was this authentic me with ADHD that I didn't know about that I was masking? Yeah. So I'm currently going through that phase. It's so trippy. It is, it <laughs> is. And I think another thing that's really difficult with it, because I'm, I'm going through a similar thing now, is is kind of like 
mourning the fact that the younger version of myself didn't have the help that she needed and how yeah. much would I have been able to achieve had I had that support? That <laughs> word potential, I like, I'm so sick of it. Like, I'm so sick of constantly being told like, oh my gosh, you have so much potential. Mm. If you just did this, if you mm-hmm. just put your mind to it and you're just there like, <laughs> um, even like to this day, like a promise I made to myself is like, um, I've just decided like I'm going to st- stop people in their tracks when they try to sell the motivation that I already have for myself back to me. Because what I found is that I I feel like I'm at this crossroad career-wise where it's like, I know where I'm heading, but there's still so much uncertainty and I'm okay with that. But then what happens is that people will see that. They'll be like, oh, you're so inspirational. You're so this, you're so that. And then they just start giving you a TED talk about your potential. And it's like, you do realize that you just said that you're inspired by me. So I, I know that I'm heading in the right direction. I know I'm motivated. I know I'm driven. Otherwise, we wouldn't be connected. But you're just taking everything that I feel and just shoving it back to me when you could actually help me. Mm. <laughs> um, I know it sounds weird, but it's like something that I've started to notice a lot in like the past two years where it's like, stop selling me the, the drive that I already have for myself back to me. Yeah, Like, listen to what I've got to say and like mentor me, coach me, um, teach me things that I don't know. But don't, don't just... F- you know throw empty words at me because especially when you have ADHD it's like we take things so literal sometimes and the way we regulate our emotions and we process and we communicate it can be very difficult when you're constantly trying to read between the lines um and that's something that I've I didn't know that I was being frustrated at until this year Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. so I just promised myself like if you keep coming into me into my dms or like into my inbox telling me like oh you know I'm an investor X, Y, Z, or I'm this and that, and I can coach you and mentor you. But all you're doing is just giving me TED Talks. It's like, I'm so sorry. I appreciate the kind words, but leave me alone. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, something else I've seen you talk about a lot is like being able to ask for help authentically now, and that's something oh, you've been doing yes. a lot more. Yes. Oh, that's one of the most liberating feelings. And this is why I love my team so much right now um because we had two new people that joined and they're like mentees on the black valley program uh, but like yeah, the yeah, career yeah, one yeah got two new people and even though they're like oh i'm learning so much from me i'm sitting here like i'm learning so much from you um being able to freely delegate without feeling guilt is one of the best feelings ever that's the stuff they don't tell you in these like motivational get rich quick schemes they don't mm. tell you that they delegate half the stuff that they're bragging about mm. <laughs> mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. and for me even just as a black woman like we're so used to just being told like oh we're just strong like just handle it like just you know look at you powerful independent it's like no I actually want to be a soft baby girl like (laughs) (laughs) we need that soft life (laughs) like now I'm at the point where it's like listen I need help um obviously like it doesn't take away from your drive and your ambition and I think that's something that I'm still working through because what I've noticed with my ADHD is that we tend to overthink about how we're being perceived. Mm. like, And it's, it's two extremes. I go through a phase where it's like, I've just asked something from this person. How are they interpreting this? Because I struggle to pick up on people's tones anyway, unless I hear it or I see you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the other aspect where it's like, I don't actually know how people view me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like, mm-hmm. even if I was aware of it, I don't think I process it in the same way as everyone else seems to. Which is something I was talking about recently on my Twitter, actually. And so I'm just at the point where it's like, you're either going to say yes or no. And it's so much harder to practice that in real life. But what my team is currently teaching me is like, you know, they're happy to take on 
things that I don't actually need to take on. And like they're helping me distinguish between what different roles are like when you're building out a startup. They're helping me think about the ways I'm going to have to implement processes when I expand and, you know, be in a good position to hire disabled employees. Mm. That would be like a dream for me to be able to hire people that are constantly pushed aside and not given a chance. Like I want to be able to make sure that when I get to that point where I can take a chance on someone, that I'm doing it properly. And I think to get to that point, I need to start unlearning some of the things that I've been holding in, like, you know, taking on all these roles and constantly just balancing things. Um, constantly feeling like if I can't juggle everything, then, you know, um, I'm an imposter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, this year it's just been about, like, delegating and just focusing on the things that you're good at, which is easier said than done. <laughs> no, but you're doing well. You're doing, you're doing really amazing. Well. <sighs> get your teas out. Because it's time for What's the Tech Tea? I'm ready for this one. (laughs) (laughs) Amila, can you share something controversial within the tech industry? A lot of people that talk about imposter syndrome in the tech space aren't actually experiencing imposter syndrome. Um, I say this because I used to think for the longest that I was suffering from imposter syndrome, but I actually wasn't. I was just in terrible environments poor management Mm. and experiencing either a combination of racism, sexism, every ism, ist, you can think of. Um, And I say this because I've been in a lot of spaces or, you know, I have mentees who reach out to me like, oh, I don't feel like I belong. And one thing I like to tell people is like, okay, you say you feel like you don't belong. You feel like an imposter. Let's break down what aspects in your job role, in your environment that's making you feel like this. And what I find even when it's just people tweeting and stuff, what I find is that what they're experiencing is an environment that's not facilitating their growth. Mm. It's not actually imposter syndrome. Wow. And the reason why I say this is because imposter syndrome by definition, you know, when you think about it, it's you're in the right environment. You've got supportive people in your life. You've got people that are affirming you. You know, you've got your qualifications. You've got everything you need, but you still feel, feel nervous despite that. Mm-hmm. You can't, you're not an imposter if, you know, the barriers are already being closed before you can even enter. Even when you are let in, you know, um, <laughs> you're being made to suffocate and navigate all these weird boundaries that aren't actually normal. And you're doing too much reading in between the lines. Of course, they're g- you're going to feel like an imposter. Um, it's not what it's not something that you are suffering from. It's something that's being done to you. Mm, um, mm-hmm, and so that's mm-hmm. why like, I've, I've literally been like team team you're not imposter you're not an imposter <laughs> like you're actually not you're in the right place and and wow. it leads on to this whole thing that I, I'm starting to have a bit of a I don't know if it's an issue or if it's just something that rolls me off the wrong way but when people talk about breaking to tech what are you breaking into because like numbers wise in this country there's more jobs that need to be filled than people qualified for it mm. so you're not breaking into anything really like you're not breaking down much you're mm-hmm. just entering a, a space mm-hmm. so that's just me being really nitpicky but I say this about um, imposter syndrome, not just in tech, but in general. But because a lot of the people that talk about imposter syndrome and they're nervous and scared about it tend to be people from minority communities. And it's not lost on me that the stats around, you know, hiring um, people from minority backgrounds versus what people are experiencing and feeling being brushed under imposter syndrome. There's a correlation there. Like, you know, we can't talk about diversity, equity, inclusion um, and seeing how far those efforts are going 
and not also spot the trend in how many people from those communities that you're supposedly advocating for experiencing what they think is imposter syndrome but it's not yeah so um yeah i'm i'm literally like this year i'm on i'm gonna be on a rampage like listen think twice are you actually experiencing imposter syndrome or is or are you being made to feel like an imposter and the reason why that framing is important is because it goes from you blaming yourself and you seeing yourself as the root of the issue versus actually there's systems in place that are failing you Mm. and a lot of people are being failed and being made to feel like an imposter and thirdly and lastly What's the issue about you being an imposter? Sorry, have you seen those Netflix documentaries of people scamming their way in different spaces? <laughs> it's so the Tinder true. Swindler. <laughs> what was that one? The Tinder, Tinder Swindler, Swindler, the Anna, the Anna Babe. Like, um, I'm so sorry. Bad vegan, yeah. <laughs> Anna Bad Delby. vegan. It's yeah. like I'm so sorry. There's people out here navigating these spaces, scamming their way on empty promises, and you're sitting there thinking that you're an imposter because you've worked your ass off, and yeah, you don't know everything, but. Who starts off in any industry knowing everything? Yeah, You're going to learn and you're probably way ahead than you think. And if you're not, there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that and picking up the slack. Mm. If you're f- failing a little bit right now, cool. You know that now. Do something about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm team. Make sure you actually know what imposter syndrome is. Mm. Because I don't think, I genuinely think that a lot of people that talk about it don't actually know what it is. Because that's the thing. If, you, if you're framing it in the way that it's your fault, you're going to focus on fixing yourself and, mm-hmm. fi- yeah. you know, attend, like trying to yeah. trying to work on your confidence. And the, your confidence isn't the issue, is it? It's not your technical yeah. abilities either. And even if you're not up to scratch just yet, that's not, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Like what becomes the end of the world is if you're genuinely like, I don't care. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not yeah. being honest about myself, blah, blah, blah. That's a, that's, that's a whole other aspect. That's, that is still not imposter syndrome because imposter syndrome is literally like everything around you is great. Right support system, right everything. But you still feel like, oh, I'm not good enough. That's something that you unpack in therapy. That's something that, that's a completely different situation than what I hear people talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, whenever I'm in these spaces, I'm like, can you tell me what imposter syndrome actually is? Like, what do you think imposter syndrome is? And by the time they've finished explaining it, it's like, well, can you see now how people are failing you here? Can you see now how different systems are failing you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where are you actually the imposter in this situation? Wow. Wow. <laughs> That's the, the team. Where's, where's, That's the where's, team. where's the imposter? <laughs> 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 wow that is the tea like yeah. so before me and jesse were looking to an article that actually speaks about this like stop calling women stop telling women that they have imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and basically was outlining the fact that some of the systems are just failing us and that's mm-hmm. more that's more of the root so it's, it was great to hear yeah your opinion mm-hmm. on that. i mm-hmm. know but we have four minutes okay then so let's do you want to wrap up yeah let's are you happy to wrap up is there anything yeah, else you want to no, add I'm good. i love that controversial take <laughs> it's it's so good it's so good because we were talking about it and i was like let me do some research let me just read up on this i was so happy i found that article and yeah very very because interesting it's something that we don't necessarily have to keep in but the whole um the thing that i have a problem with is people being sold coaching based on imposter mm-hmm. syndrome and then putting the 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 kind of financial burden on the individual yeah. and that's a bit of a yeah. dodgy area um because you can be the most confident person i'm noticing this in the startup space you know how many black women are going abroad overseas mm. to get funding mm-hmm. they have the yeah. numbers they've got the market it's a right product fit how, how are you then an imposter when mm. you tick up all the boxes mm-hmm. do you know what i mean so <laughs> okay okay <laughs> right 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 before we get kicked out <laughs> Thank um, you so much for taking the time to be on here. We've loved to hear a lot about your journey, the banter, 
the lessons. And all of the resources that you've mentioned as well will be in the show notes. Um, yeah. Could you just let our listeners and watchers know where we can follow you? I think, honestly, the best way to find out all my other resources is um, through Twitter. Mm-hmm. So my at is yeahshewrites. So Y-E-A-H-S-H-E-W-R-I-T-E-S. Amazing. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rina. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this week's Glowing in Tech episode with Amina and we hope that you enjoyed it. Join us next week as we meet Zoe Nengate, who works as a technical lead at Palantir Technologies in London. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.